Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we're sitting down with Chicago ABC 7's news anchor, Cheryl Burden. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, and the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Since 1992, Cheryl Burton has served as Chicago ABC 7's news anchor. Today, she'll share some of her career experiences, the current state of news, and her advice to Waymaker listeners. Let's get started. Good afternoon, Waymaker audience, and welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat. And today, I have the privilege of interviewing Cheryl Burton from Chicago ABC 7. She is their number one news anchor and my good friend. So yes. it is a privilege, Cheryl, having you here. Welcome to the yeah. Fireside Chat. Yay, 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 yay. I'm so excited and I'm so honored to be here to um, be interviewed by the great, iconic Lewis Carr. I mean, this is so amazing. And from the inaugural Waymaker magazine, what an honor to be featured, profiled in a magazine that shares everything about positivity, spirituality, success, um, life, God, faith, and um, everything about inspiration. So thank you for this honor and this blessing. Well, well, Waymaker audience, I've been nervous about this interview all day because Cheryl <laughs> is a real superstar when you have won, what is it, 13 Emmys, Cheryl? Um, I'm at 15, I think. Yeah. You're at, you're, you're at 15 Emmys. So, you know, she's pretty good at what she does, all right? So I, I've, I've been nervous about this, but I'm going to take a shot at it. Cheryl, you've had one of the most amazing careers of anybody uh, in news. Tell us that journey. Where did it start? How did you get into it? Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Tell us that early journey. I, first of all, I'm chuckling over here because Lewis Carr, who has been probably to every continent in the entire world, who has met world leaders, uh, movers and shakers in every entity of entertainment, news, politics, sports. And I mean, you're talking the men that you have worked with and the women you have worked with over the years and you're nervous, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> And you, you know, and your roots are BET, Black Entertainment Television, um, the most creative opportunity for um, African-Americans to display their talents and their creativity. So I don't know how you could be nervous, but we're going to do this together because generally I'm on the other side. I'm always doing yes. the interview. So, um, so I'm going to enjoy this. And really, I'm talking to a friend. And it, this is a conversation that we're having. Um, the only difference is it's being recorded versus when we always have conversations, because I've known Lewis for so long. And he is one of the most admired persons in my life. Um, I look up to him. I admire his journey story. I admire his work ethic. I admire um, his future um, journey story, what he is planning and how he's planning to change the world and make it a better place. So um, it's a comfort zone, a safe space for us. But for me, I mean, this has been a very long journey for me. Um, I initially I'm, I went to Limbloom High School and I'm born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I was born on Christmas Day, on a cold Christmas Day, early in the morning. I know you were a Christmas baby. <laughs> I'm a 
baby. I thought it was stuff. Christmas Eve, to be honest. I thought it was oh, my Christmas Eve. Eve. My father is Christmas Eve. So, and I'm Christmas Day. So, um, that was a very special bond that we shared together. But I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. And I graduated from Lindblom High School with perfect attendance. And all during um, high school and elementary school, I really wanted to be a prima ballerina. I took ballet for 13 years, ever since I was three years old. I still take classes as an adult, but I wanted to be a ballerina. But that wasn't something that was taught in school or when we had career day, that wasn't someone who stopped by. Um, we had the standard doctor, lawyer, dentist, accountant, teacher. Um, so I kind of moved my um, desire for career into medicine. And so I chose Limbloom because I wanted to be a doctor and Limbloom had Latin for a foreign language. I got accepted to Whitney Young because I had written a typewritten letter. I still have it today that I wrote to the principal of Whitney Young. It was a brand new school. They had elevators, they had carpet, they had air conditioning, all of the things that my school, Limbloom didn't have. But I wanted to go to Limbloom because I had a pre-med uh, track and they taught Latin. I'm not sure if Whitney Young had Latin as a, a foreign language. And so the principal of Whitney Young lived in my neighborhood. So I typed up a letter and I mailed it to him in eighth grade um, asking for the opportunity to be accepted into this brand new state-of-the-art school. And eventually I did get accepted to Whitney Young, but I chose Limbloom because I wanted to learn Latin because all of the medical books and medical journals were written in Latin. So I went to Limbloom and, you know, perfect attendance. Um, and I was, you know, part of the student council, vice president, I think sophomore class and uh, captain of cheerleaders and did all of those grand things. And then when it was time to go to college, I went to the University of Illinois as a pre-med student. So I took all of my biology classes, physics, chemistry, um, and then I graduated with a degree in biology and psychology. I double majored, um, took the MCATs did very well, was headed to med school. It was very, very expensive. And I was the fourth of five children. By the way, I was in marching band in college too. It was very cool experience. Um, so by the time I graduated, I was the fourth of five children. And by that time, we had three children in college for 10 years. So for 10 years straight, there was three of us in college all at the same time because all of my siblings have master's degrees, PhDs, MBAs. And so it was just a very expensive journey. So I was the fourth kid. So by the time I got there, I was already in debt for getting student loans just to get through undergrad. So the concern was medical school. I probably would have been in debt a hundred to $200,000. And that would have been very challenging to do, um, especially when you go to med school and you're competing against three and four generation doctors. Um, your competition are students whose parents are doctors, their grandparents are doctors, their uncles and aunts. So they already have that foundation of what medical school and the study habits and all of that, what it entails to get into med school, to graduate from med school. So I um, changed my mind and I went into the business world. I started working for Xerox right out of college and I'd like to say it was one of the best jobs I ever had because Xerox had the best training at that time in the 80s in the world about branding, um, self-branding, uh, sales. 
and I was working in the sales department. So I learned how to sell myself. That was one of the best. I went to Virginia for three weeks for training right when I started. And the training, I mean, you had to learn how to sell a pencil for 30 minutes. If you could do that, you know, we were talking, Lewis, about um, your intern students about 30 minutes. Can they talk about themselves? Um, right. Try, you know, sell a, a pencil for 30 minutes. But um, Xerox is, is the best training that I ever had to learn how to sell myself and to promote myself and to brand myself. So every single job I've had along this journey has been to get me to this place. And while I was working at Xerox, I started to do my television um, career. I was on Star Search. I don't know if people remember. It was the first. I, I had um, no idea. Yeah, Star Search was the first reality show. And all of these research, you know, reality shows. Uh, Star Search was the first I was on um, in 1986, and I kept winning. And Xerox was like, "You are you going to be at work on Monday?" And so I kept winning. And there was a crossroads. And I had to choose between Xerox and pursuing a career um, that I really enjoyed. So because I kept winning on Star Search, um, it was the most exciting job. I mean, you went out to L.A. Um, I had so many fun things I auditioned for. It's a different world. And Jada Pinkett Smith, Smith she ended up getting the job. We were all auditioning to um, be the roommate for Whitley Gilbert. Uh, Jasmine Guy on It's a Different World, which was a spinoff to the Cosby show. So I auditioned for that show while I was uh, filming Star Search. So it was a really incredible moment. And I just was, it was just exciting. I met a lot of movie directors, film directors, TV directors. And um, after my um, stint on Star Search, I started getting um kind of like a resume. I was building up my resume. And then from there, I was also doing minority business report. I don't know if you remember that back. I in the do day. remember that. Yeah. So I was one of the co-hosts on um, minority business report. It was filmed at WGN studios here. Um, I had been at WGN studios as a kid. Cause I went to Bozo circus all the time. That was the funnest place. My, my uncle would always get tickets, even though it's like a 10 year, five year, three year wait he would always be on the waiting list. So he would take his nieces and nephews and his eighth grade students to um, Bozo Circus. So I was very familiar with uh, WGN Studios and that's where we filmed um, we filmed the Minority Business Report. So I was building up my resume. I mean, I'm laughing at myself because I remember <laughs> when I used to do that show and like I was trying to be this anchor person and it was just, you know, and I have video of all of this great stuff. So, wow. <laughs> yes. So I did a um, minority business report. And from there I moved to Peoria, Illinois as a um, commercial television reporter. So I was working for the CBS affiliate in Peoria, Illinois. So that's kind of how I got started in television news. And I was a reporter in Peoria, Illinois. I worked there for seven months. I was driving home all the time. And then I got an anchor position in uh, Wichita, Kansas. So I lived in Wichita, Kansas, anchoring the weekends there. And then I got promoted to the six o'clock weekday. And I also did a special report called Baby Your Baby. And I was working with the state of Kansas to reduce uh, low birth weight babies that were being born in Kansas and the uh, fatality rates of babies being born in the state of Kansas. But 
it was an incredible opportunity. Again, uh, people don't realize that's where Air Force One is built at that time was built in Kansas. So I got aboard, you know, the airplanes before it was delivered to the presidents at that moment. Um, also, private jets are also built in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. So I was a spokesperson for the one home of the Wichita Shockers. Yeah, Wushock, Wushock. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know uh, Wushock is wheat. So um, I had to learn. I did a week report every day on the news. Um, I had no idea what that was about until I moved to Wichita, Kansas. So it was a phenomenal learning experience. And I worked there for two years. I loved it. I loved the people I worked with. Um, I gained so much experience and knowledge and perfected my talent. And um, then in 1992, I got the call. I interviewed at all three stations, CBS, NBC, and ABC. And I got offers at all three stations and I chose ABC and I've been here since 1992. So I am in my 29th year um, working here at ABC7. And I'm very proud to say that. So that's the shortcut. <laughs> so, so Cheryl, what, what I've heard from your college days all the way up to that, you never limited yourself. Never. You seem like you were busy like all yeah. day long, every day. Yeah, my mom uses the old Southern term. Cheryl is as busy as cat covering poo-poo. That's a very Southern term <laughs> because I was always busy doing things. Um, even That's when- something I, inherent or was it something intentional on your part that you had to keep yourself busy? Or, or, or did you just want to have so many different types of experiences? No, I wanted a life for myself that I wanted to create that was impactful, that was fun, that changed the world, um, that I enjoyed. I knew my parents had great jobs that they loved. My mom was a Chicago public school teacher. She taught special ed. My dad, you know, who went to um, Morehouse College with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They're both alpha men. Um, and so my legacy, my parents were born in the depression and raised in the civil rights movement. And so my legacy has something that has given me um, a stepping stone to greatness, in my opinion. Um, I always say my parents worked too hard for me not to be great. So um, and I knew there was something in my life that I wanted. I, you know, I I wanted to go to UCLA. But of course, we had five kids. That was not even an option. My parents, I think my mom filled out my application to Illinois because I was like, I'm not going there. I'm going to Michigan. <laughs> you know, um, so my mom's like, yeah, you're going to be going right down uh, 57 and no problem. So um, because my two siblings earlier had gone to Illinois State and then my brother went to Lincoln University and Loyola. So um, there, we weren't going to be traveling. That was not going to be happening for me. But I've always, I mean, when I made my audition tapes to apply for jobs in television news, I used two VHS machines. One was upstairs in my house and one was downstairs. So I was running up and down the stairs, hitting the pause button so I could edit because Chicago is a union town. So you can't have people edit your uh, resume tapes. So I had to edit my own resume tapes using two VHS machines, hitting the pause button, going back, editing. Um, and I probably sent out 30 tapes before I accepted the job in Peoria because I did get um, a couple of offers in South Dakota, Steubenville, Ohio. And I would have probably had to live in my car at the salary that they were offering. 
um, because it wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have made it. So, but I've, I've always been, you know, I was a, a cheerleader for the Chicago Bears um, for three years and I had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl with, you know, the the bears that had the most memorable bears, of course, you know, refrigerator, Perry, Jim McMahon, you know, Richard Dent, um, Dennis McKinnon, uh, refrigerator, Perry, all of the, you know, the people with these personalities. So I was a cheerleader on the bears, uh, for the bears when they went to that super bowl in 1986, I think that was. Sure. You've been busy. So, I, didn't so I, I mean, I've been working since I was 12 years old. My first job, was um, a paper girl. I was assisting my brother on his paper route. And so I know how to roll up a mean newspaper and put a rubber band around it and toss it on a front stoop, you know, in people's houses because I work for my brother and I always make fun. I said, you know, he was a tough, he was a tough boss. And um, so I only got, you know, minimum wage from a brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you got to ABC, how did you ascend to that anchor seat? Um, well, I, I started, uh, my, my parents would be like mortified saying, um, but uh, I started, <laughs> I started, I came in as a weekend anchor uh, here at, in 1992. And then after 10 years anchoring the weekend news, I was promoted to the five o'clock news. And then uh, most recently, three years ago, uh, exactly, um, I was promoted to the 10 o'clock news. So that was, so I was on the weekends for 10 years before being promoted to weekdays. And then um, after 25 years here, I was promoted to the weekday position. And, and I mean, when you get to that weekday anchor, uh, what is that like? You know, most people see you sitting there, you're so beautiful, you, oh, you, you, you're so buttoned up. Uh, people think you don't work anymore. All right. It's just like when I get to my position, people just, Lord, just tell people what to do. All right. So uh, I've seen you in the newsroom. <laughs> tell the audience what that really is like uh, as an anchor at, at your level. Well, Lewis, you know, you have reached the pinnacle of success on so many levels and in so many different platforms. So, you know, the higher you go, the harder you work. You don't get- <laughs> true. People don't realize that. People don't realize that um, because you make it look easy, Lewis. You made people um, believe that you got to where you were by waking up and looking handsome and putting on nice clothes because you do like nice clothes and nice watches. I think are and cufflinks. <laughs> you love nice cufflinks. Um, the the only way I could get a nice pair for you is if I travel to another continent and just say this is from another continent. So you cannot get Lewis any more cufflinks because you can't get what he doesn't already have. <laughs> but, I have quite a few. <laughs> yes, you have a, a beautiful setup, but um, the reality is you don't get success in life with working really hard. And the higher you climb, the harder it gets. You don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. And so that really has been a work ethic in, in my house. I mean, it started from perfect attendance in high school. I didn't miss a single day in the winters, in the strikes, uh, you know, being attacked, going to and from school at one point, getting robbed on the L train. Uh, I never missed a single day because my parents valued education. And when we were young, my parents would sit us down in front of an easel. And every day when we came home from school, they would 
make you go up to the easel and tell them, what did you learn today? And that was a test to see if you had been paying attention. So my parents wanted to know, were you paying attention in school today? Or are you goofing off? You know, and so my dad would often say, if you're going to leave the house every day, you might as well learn something while you're gone and come back smarter. I skipped second grade um, because my teachers thought, you know, back then I might have been a little brighter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might have been smart in first grade or something, but I went from first to third grade because um, the teachers found that I was very engaged in my studies and I was always wanting to learn more. So I was ahead of the class because I would get done with my work. And so I'd be sitting there and they would be like, oh, you know, what can we do for this, for the student? I was in the gifted programs. We had gifted programs in public schools back then. Um, and that was really um, an opportunity for the teachers to notice um, special skills and special learning skills for, for young people. We, we would go on these field trips in, in our grammar schools. I mean, Marcel Marceau, you would go to the Chicago Symphony um, I remember going on one field trip to, uh, you know, one of your biggest mentors. We went to the Ebony Jet headquarters on Michigan Avenue. I think it was in third grade for me. And we got a tour. I mean, and there was this African-American man who owned the building. He owned the business and he owned this entire success journey. And we're standing before him. And of course, he, we're in third grade. So he's still standing so tall above us. And telling us about his story and how he wore um, overalls and pretended to be part of the cleaning crew when he came to check out the property. But I will never forget that when I left, Mr. Johnson looked directly at me. I feel like he was talking to me. I'm going to own that. He was talking directly to me. And he told me, you know, to always walk with a purpose. And so I think I've had people in my life from, you know, from my parents, my aunts and uncles um, who are educators from the ministers and pastors of the churches that I grew up in that showed me what is possible when you work hard um, and when you're kind. Kindness was a big theme in my house too. My parents always talked about being kind to other people um, because you never know what they've been through and what they're going through. So be nice to people. So, um, so, so speaking of that purpose, as a woman and an African-American woman sitting in that chair, do you feel it? extra responsibility is do you feel that there's something else that you have to do because of the purpose and the journey that African Americans have had in this country? Oh, always. Um, because my parents were born and raised in Alabama in the South. And so I saw the struggle very early on. I, every summer we went to Alabama for vacation, for summer vacation. My grandparents lived there. So my mom and dad would put five kids in the car, make bologna sandwiches and yummy pop fried chicken. And you would drive straight to Birmingham, Alabama, 13 hours with five kids in the back, you know, hanging out in the back of the car. And so that was a lot of bonding time. And I saw what two parents would do with sacrifice for their five children. So I knew the hard work that they put in for their kids um, and the sacrifice. So I knew I had to return the favor and show them that all the love and nurturing that they gave to me, that I could return it. And living today in the skin, Lewis, you have a responsibility. When God gives you life, and I always say you were born on purpose for a purpose. 
And I wake up every day asking God, how can I serve you? And I know that my life has value to help others, to impact others. I was born on Christmas Day for a reason. And I know that my job is to bring um, life to people, inspire people, help people, uplift people, and change people's lives with the tools and the gifts that God has given me. I don't take that lightly at all. It is a responsibility, and you know too much whom is given, much is expected. I don't mind that because I'm here for it, because somebody allowed me to stand on their shoulders so that I could get to that anchor seat in my hometown, in the city where I watched the news growing up. What an honor and a blessing for me, that life journey for me. I, I'm on television in the city where I was born and raised, watching the TV station that I used to watch when I was little, working there today. So, um, and trying to change lives. And I meet young girls as young as five years old, all the way to 95 years old, who write me letters, who send me emails, who hit me up on social media, who still write letters that, you know, come through the mail that say, thank you for everything that you do. I got a, um, an email today on Facebook, a, a direct message, I guess that's what you call them, an instant message, direct message. And um, it was a young lady who said, thank you for continuing to show me what is possible. Thank you for mm. being queen. Thank you for every day fighting through the challenges, but you show up every day and you represent properly. You represent, and you know, the reality is Lewis, every night I'm worried about my parents being proud of me. That's really just my motivation, you know, because I would always say, can my mom and dad go to church and talk about their children? Can my mom and dad go hang out with their friends and talk about their children and be proud? That That's my motivation right there, that my parents are proud of me. And I know they're in heaven directing every moment of my life because my father had a heart attack while I was interviewing at Channel 7 uh, 28 years ago, and he never saw me get this job. He had a heart attack and he passed away while I was interviewing for this job. And so I always say God took him so he could bring me home. And my dad used to write me letters and cards. He didn't know how this process worked, but he thought I was all that. So he would write me letters and he would. And in fact, during the COVID, I did a lot of purging and I found boxes of letters that he had sent me saying, when are you going to get to come home and, you know, work in Chicago? When are you going to get to anchor the news in Chicago? This was when I was in Peoria, Wichita. And so I got that interview and I came home and he had a heart attack and it was a fatal heart attack. Wow. But I ended up interviewing at all the stations and powering through. And here I am, you know. How, how has it been for you since Memorial Day 2020 anchoring the news personally uh, after the death of George Floyd? having to cover stories like that, cover riots. How has that been for you personally? It's, it's been hard because I'm human first. At the end of the day, um, I'm human. I have feelings. Um, I see the visuals. And what happens is because we're in news, you report on these stories. You don't really get to detach from it. You can, Lewis, at the end of the day, turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off your radio. Correct and go in your backyard and meditate. But because this is my job, I consume it. I have to report on it and I have to be unbiased about it because it is, I am a news anchor, 
But at the end of the day, I have a brother who's African-American. I have a father. I have nephews who are African-American. Um, one is a news anchor in, in Washington, D.C. I, I have, um, you know, three African-American nephews and I have cousins and that are African-American. And I always say, for the grace of God, there go I. And I know anything could happen. So um, I'm very protective um, and, and I watch it and my heart is full all the time because you feel the news different because your journey to get here was different. And my parents' journey to get here, how they got me here was different. And, and I know down South what my parents went through because they tell me about it all the time. My mom was literally educated in a little red schoolhouse in Alabama, in rural Alabama. So I, I know what could have been, my life could have been, and I know what it is. So um, it, it was very tough. You know, it, it affected me, it affected my family um, because, but what it did show too, is that the human spirit is stronger than anybody ever gave credit to it. And really at the end of the day, love, lead with love. I was so inspired by the love around the world. People came together, different languages, different cultures, different age groups, genders, um, just different backgrounds. And they came together unified over one, one topic. That was so heartwarming. I, I was so full. Um, and that gave me life to keep going. You, you just talked about being objective. The industry has sort of changed to opinionated news, all right? And especially from a lot of the cable news channels, they've become opinionated news. And a lot of those opinions, whether they're right or they're wrong, they are opinions and they get big audiences. How do you think that's affecting news in general, the credibility of news when you have this opinionated side and then you have the objective side? Well, there's, those are two different, two different entities for us, local news for what yeah. I do. It is the news. You prepare the news, you report the news and, and you state the facts. You don't have an opportunity to give your opinion. That's not what we do. That's not how our news operation works. And it's not an option for me or for anybody who works in this news operation. Um, we report on the facts and we share the stories. Um, it, you know, you can say you love a bike riding story or something like that, but when it comes to um, the facts of the story, you are not allowed to give your opinions. And, and that's not something we do here. That's not something- How do you think that's affecting consumers? Uh, you know, I, I, I go to Flora a lot, all right? And some mm -hmm. of the things I hear and I'm like, where did you, get that from? Who told you that? Because they've listened and watched opinionated news and they get it confused with the facts. So well, how does the consumer sort of balance that out? That Well, that's a question you got to ask when you keep going back and forth to Florida. But um, <laughs> social media has a heavy, heavy influence on how people come to their beliefs as well. So but you really have to break down and do your own research to find out what is real and what is not, because you're 
everything can get clouded up by what you see on social media, what you see on um, cable news or cable television, or what you hear on, you know, radio or talk shows or podcasts, or there's so many now entities where you can get your information and you have to take the responsibility to find out what is right and what is not right. Plus you have to live your life based on how you live your life and those factors that influence your life, because something that happens to you or something you might like, Lewis, might not really be something that's interesting in my household that affects my life. Um, And people are affected by different things and things that matter to their families. And people accept information based on how it will affect their family. So um, it's a lot going on. That's for sure. I mean, (laughs) things can change by the minutes. You know, they really do. And that's the thing about live, live programming too. Things can change by the minute you can, you can get news that's changing verdicts that are coming in information. um, And you cover a story, a live breaking news. The information is changing as you take a breath. So um, you have to really be careful if you are doing news to not give your opinion, you have to be unbiased and really just state the facts and the truth. Of, of the situation. We here at Waymaker believe that every successful person has had Waymakers. Talk about some of the Waymakers in your life. Obviously, your parents were a Waymaker, but who are some of the other people who have been Waymakers in your life to make this possible for you? Oh, I was thinking about that when, when I looked at that, um, because really everything I am is because of my mother and father and my four siblings. Um, They are my best friends. And I'm so grateful that my parents had five children um, because they have changed my life for me. I stand on their shoulders. I have two older sisters and an older brother and a younger sister. My one sister lives just, you know, four doors down from me with her family. And her children have inspired me. My brother's children have inspired me. And I get energy from their success stories. They really, my niece and nephews have extraordinary life journeys. Like if you might want to interview them instead of me next. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, you know, my niece made history at the University of Chicago last year, graduating as the first African-American in the 130 year history of the University of Chicago as the first African-American to receive a degree in biomedical engineering. Um, and that's a little baby that I, you know, raised She four doors down from me. My nephew is a, you know, a news anchor in DC, um, after getting a full ride on a basketball scholarship to college. Um, and he parlayed his career into this phenomenal, uh, career in Washington, DC. My other nephew is, is going to Stanford and, um, he is changing the world from like computer engineering. He's already sold apps. You know, um, and, and my, my other nephew is in the hospitality industry, um, which is, you know, that industry is blowing up right now as well. So they are really people who inspire me. Um, my siblings, though, they really have um, held my hand in some of the darkest times, the biggest challenges. And they remind me of who I am, whose I am, and what really 
I am here for my purpose. They've never let me, um, they've never forsaken me whenever I need them. They've held my hand in, in some of the darkest times and challenges. But um, so I, I mean, that's really, um, you know, I've had incredible teachers, of course, that my ballet teachers, you know, band directors and um, sorority sisters too. So, and, and really wonderful friends, but at the end of the day, my core group and their spouses, my siblings and their spouses have really um, kept me to make sure I'm okay. You started a scholarship fund uh, in the middle of the pandemic at Lynn Bloom High School. Tell us about that. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, actually, I introduced it. Um, I introduced it in November of 2019 and it was really a year after um, my mom had passed away and I was thinking about my life and like what you know how much time do you have and really your hands are your servants of your thoughts meaning that your hands really make sure that the thoughts that you're thinking they are the action of your thoughts so if you want to help somebody you have to act on that and your hands do that so I wanted to start um, a scholarship at my school because I graduated there. I'm so proud, a Chicago Public School graduate, perfect attendance. I say that every time I can get the opportunity. And uh, <laughs> the reality is Ethel Payne was the first African-American woman in the history of the United States to receive credentials to cover the White House. And she graduated from my high school, Limblum. So when I looked at you know her historic career. And then I thought about what I've done there and all, you know, young people always are emailing me and calling me, their parents are calling, you know, what, what's the track? What do I do? How do I do this? I want to, I want to do what you do. And I want to be you. And I always say, create your own footprints. You know, you can follow my footsteps, but create your own footprints because this is my journey, but yours can be very different. And so I went to the principal and the assistant principal of the school and I said, I want to donate my money. This is my money. It's not, you know, from any station or any company. It's my own money. And I wanted to make sure that I could help the next generation of journalists um, achieve their dreams and realize their dreams. And if any way I could help financially, because I know the burden, uh, the financial burden of going to college. I, I understand it, <laughs> really. I always say, thank God I don't look like what I've been through. So I understand the financial burden and journey, especially when you don't have it um, and how that can affect how you study, you know, your mindset. If you are free thinking of, I don't have bills, you get to study differently from the person who has, you know, oh my God, this money is due by the end of the week, but you still have a final at the end of the week too. So, and there are many occasions where I had to actually call my professors to find out how I got what was my grade because they were like, well, you can't get your grades. So you pay your tuition. So I know how hard it was. And so I didn't know if I passed or failed these finals until I had to call these professors to, how did I do? Um, so, because that was the way it worked. So if I could ease any kind of burden or strain on any student um, who really wanted to do this, and these are some of the brightest students. Oh my goodness. I mean, just amazing young people um, who received the award in the first year, one woman, uh, one student, one woman, she received it because um, Jewel Baker, because 
we couldn't get it. We were deep in COVID. So she received it. But this year, two students, a female and a male student, they both received um, the scholarship. And they really are going to do some fantastic things with their lives. I'm so excited about them. Congratulations. Congratulations. Final question, Cheryl. Oh, we done. Look back. (laughs) Look back and give some advice to your 21 year old self based on what you've learned and what you've experienced. What advice do you give today to someone who's trying to be you or be like you? Oh, well, um, we were talking earlier, Lewis. One thing that is really important is to be interesting. What makes you stand apart from the rest of the people in the room? I always say the only difference between you and anybody in the room should be excellence. That's it. Just excellent. Be an excellent human being and be smart, be brilliant, be hardworking, be resilient, be strong, be dedicated, be committed to your passion. If you have passion, it will change your trajectory of your life. It changes the way you look at life when you have passion about something, meaning whatever it is, if you want to go to space. Recently, we just witnessed history made with the Virgin Galactic. If you want to go to space, let that be your passion. Join groups, be part of STEM organizations, be part of internships with Lewis Carr, who's going to introduce you to people, to different types of fields all over the world, because learn and know people like a Lewis Carr who can connect you with your journey that will take you to your passion. And when you have passion in your life, you will have success because you follow in that dream of what you want to do. Always remember you are worthy, you matter, and you have value. That is so important, especially for young girls to always remember and be strong and confident in yourself. Confidence is can get you a job over the next person who has the same credentials as you, the same grade score, confidence when you walk in that room, knowing that you're interesting, that you're special, that you've paved your way. Um, you know, always work toward making sure you give back too. I don't care how young you are, you can always give back maybe tutor, maybe read to the younger generation, take a, take an elderly person to church with you, go buy their groceries, but always find a way to be giving, to be kind, to be loving at the end of the day and make sure you smile because your smile is like, you know, your business card. It's your logo because people know that your personality, but how you make a person feel after they leave your presence, that is your trademark. And remember, if you do something in life for a person who can never pay you back, you have lived a blessed and a bountiful life. Wow. And we all get the same as a week, 20 hours in a day. What you do with yours to change the world and make a difference will matter for generations to come. Thank you, Cheryl. This has been amazing. Uh, I've oh. learned so much, even though oh. I, I, I've known you forever. Uh, yes. It's clearly you have definitely sort of uh, taught us uh, why you're successful, why you continue to be successful. And we appreciate you uh, stopping by the Waymaker Fireside Chat. How can people get in touch with you? 
Um, one more thing too, I wanted to always say, Lewis, give yourself grace. Always at the end of the day, give yourself grace. It will go a long way, but you can always watch me on ABC seven channel seven, Monday through Friday at five and 10 PM. You can hit me up on Twitter, Burton, ABC seven. You can hit me up on Instagram at Cheryl Burton, ABC seven. And I have two Facebook pages, uh, Cheryl Burton and Cheryl Burton, ABC seven. And you can always hit me up and you can still call me. The phones work and you know, you can leave a voicemail message if you want to. <laughs> they work. Yeah. In fact, someone called today because they think their, their um, child is doing something great and they wanted to let me know about it. And they left a voicemail message about it. And it's really a cool story. So. Um, wow. Here. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the Waymaker Journal. Yeah, I'm so honored. I cannot wait. I'm nervous, you know, because I like doing the interviewing. So, um, and I hope that my words inspire someone. I wear, I wear, wear uh, everything of affirmation every day. I wear bracelets of affirmation all day. My office is filled with words of aspiration and inspiration everywhere. Um, and I just hope that if my words help somebody, then my life was done well and that my life, you know, you know, living well to be able to help somebody. So thank you for the opportunity, Lewis Carr, Diane Carr, and um, for <laughs> Waymaker. Thank you, Crystal. And um, I look forward to, I, I mean, to be mentioned in the goddesses that will grace the cover of this issue and the other women who have been profiled for this article. Uh, I, I'm good. Like you have made my life, my week, my month. Um, and thank you for creating a magazine that is spiritual and that inspires people. And it gives people an opportunity to learn about different people that they, they hear about, read about, and now they will get to learn about. Thanks to you, Lewis Carr. One, one more uh, cap in your, you know, 10, 15 jobs that you're wearing. Uh, how many jobs do you have? <laughs> a lot, a lot, Cheryl, a lot of jobs. Too yes, many. <laughs> so large, law of attraction. That's why we're friends. So, you know. Thank you. 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 Yeah, I love your journey story as well. It's so inspirational. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Cheryl Burden. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. And don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.